0: Good stuff. Well, while the kids do some treasure hunting for chocolate eggs, we're going to be doing some treasure hunting ourselves. But for truth, for truth on this Resurrection Sunday. I think one of the best things I heard this Easter was someone saying, you know what? Jesus was buried in someone else's tomb, but it was okay. He was just borrowing it for the weekend. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Great. What a privilege to worship with one another and celebrate the fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He lives. And you know what? The whole Christian faith hinges on the truth of what happened on that first Easter Sunday. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is in fact the hinge or the crux of all human history. In fact, that's where we get our word crux from, meaning anything, the pivotal moment that brings complete change. We get our word crux from the Latin, the cross. It is in fact the crux of all human history. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 17 says this If Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's all a waste of time. You are still dead in your sins. Just think about that for a moment. Without Easter Sunday, there is no forgiveness of sins, there is no hope beyond the grave. There's no hope in in the present, in our messed up, mixed up, struggling world. All these wonderful songs we've been singing, all their lovely melodies, kind of the lyrics become meaningless, totally meaningless, without Easter Sunday. But thankfully, Paul, who wrote this, his personal testimony was... But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Easter Sunday is a massive deal. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes absolutely everything. And yet for so many people, Easter is, is kind of a, I suppose, a celebration of spring, a celebration of chocolate a lot of the time. How much chocolate can I eat this year? You know, there's this story of this man, Jesus, dying a horrendous death on a cross and then being buried in a tomb and rising three days later. You know, it's, it's at best a nice story, a little bit like a myth, a historical legend, a bit like King Arthur. So many people, that is what Easter is for them. But I would like to suggest to you this Easter morning... That Easter is in fact a wonderful twofold invitation. Firstly, to explore the evidence of the claim that Jesus is alive, that the death that the death could not hold him, that the tomb could not hold him. As Mike prayed out, that stone was rolled away. Resurrection power in all its glory. It's an invitation to explore the evidence. And secondly, it's an invitation to experience this new life, this resurrection life for yourself. Easter is a time to explore and to experience personally for yourself. And you know, talking of exploring the facts, over the years, many, many people have set out to explore these claims That Jesus is alive. And, you know, over the centuries we've seen men and women looking at the evidence. Right back in the 18th century, we had Gilbert West and George Littleton, Great thinkers, obviously you all know them very well. Great thinkers of their day. And they set out, well Gilbert set out to disprove the resurrection once and for all. In an age of enlightenment, surely we can put this myth to rest. And his mate, George, set out, I'm going to disprove the conversion of Paul. You know, between us, between our brains, we can put this thing to rest. Both became Christians as a result of their exploring the facts. You know, there's much, much evidence, not just in Scripture, but historically outside of Scripture. Jewish and Roman historians wrote masses on this period. And as these people looked at the facts, it pointed to one thing. Jesus rose from the dead. Fast forward into the 19th century, you have Simon Greenleaf, who was an American lawyer. (laughs) In fact, he was more than that. He was actually a professor of law at Harvard University, massively influential, and he was challenged by his students to use the legal principles that he was teaching them and apply them to the evidence of the resurrection. In other words, use the same principles that would apply in a court of law to determine a guilty or not guilty verdict. He too became a Christian on the basis of the evidence that he found. Everything pointed to the truth. We got more recently, in the 1930s, Frank Morrison wrote a very well-known book called Who Moved the Stone? Again, he went into this academic research with a slight bias to disprove the resurrection. And again, found himself in the slightly awkward position of writing a book that validated the evidence that Jesus was alive. And he became a very influential Christian. It seems that if you are prepared to put the time in and investigate the claims, you can find evidence that is totally life-changing. They couldn't simply dismiss the Easter story as a myth or a legend. They discovered instead a truth that totally changed their lives, totally impacted them, as it did those first believers on that Easter Sunday. And you know, for me, the experience of new life is one of the greatest evidences of the resurrection. Lives transformed By Jesus Christ. So I said, we saw that in his disciples. They hadn't just discovered an empty tomb, they hadn't just discovered that he had risen. They had discovered new hope for themselves, they had discovered new life, a whole new reason to live. In fact, more than that, a whole new reason that they were prepared to die for. Nothing else can point to the other than the fact that they had indeed encountered the risen Christ. They went from being in hiding, fearing for their lives, to fearlessly proclaiming that Jesus was alive. Overnight, it seemed they had hope. Overnight, they had something they were even prepared to die for. And of course, many of them did. You know, despite stories going around that they'd stolen the body, we watched Risen, the film the other, last night, in fact, you know, just the whole thing of they must have stolen the body. They must have hidden it somewhere. They must have made this whole thing up. But I don't know about you, would you die for a lie? Would you die for something you knew you'd made up? Would everyone be prepared to do that? It just doesn't make sense. You know, all sorts of other theories. Well, maybe everyone went to the wrong tomb accidentally. Oh, it's an empty tomb. He must have risen. Or, or that, uh, you know, all the hundreds of people that encountered Jesus alive were all hallucinating. All the same hallucination, all at the same time. Again, doesn't really add up. Nothing adds up apart from the fact that they had indeed discovered Jesus was alive, and that changed everything, everything, because if the resurrection is true, that means that Jesus was and is who he said he was, the Son of God. It means that he actually accomplished what he came to accomplish, to be the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. That he who knew no wrong became sin for us. The resurrection proves that. That he took all our garbage, all our shame, every moment where we ever fail to live up to God's perfect holy standards or ever will live up to God's holy perfect standard. He took all that on himself on that cross. I think one of the most humbling verses in Scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Just allow that to sink in for a moment. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't just experience the physical agony of being on the cross. That excruciating pain of being nailed to a cross. That's another word we get from from the cross. Excruciating comes from the, the crucifixion. Excruciating pain. He didn't just experience physical pain. He also experienced the pain of separation as his father could not look on his own sin-soaked son. Incredible. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He was prepared to do this for us, to be this once and for all sacrifice, your substitute, to pay your debt. For everyone who would turn from their old life and trust Him as their Savior and their Lord. Isn't it wonderful that we can celebrate the resurrection, the moment that turned the cross from looking like a place where death was victorious to being actually the place where death itself was defeated? And Jesus was victorious. Rather than the cross being the place where hope died, it was in fact the place where there was a new beginning and a new hope and new life. The resurrection of Jesus truly changed everything, it proved that his mission was accomplished. He was rejected. So that we could be accepted. He was bound. So that we could know true freedom. He received our justice. The justice that should have been ours. On the cross. So we could receive mercy. He shed his blood. So that we could shed. Our shame and our guilt. If you just read. He became a curse. For us. To free us. From the curse of sin. He was stripped naked so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. He died so that we could know new resurrection life. What incredible grace! The resurrection proved that that exchange fully took place on the cross. And you know what, his disciples, they hadn't just encountered the risen Jesus, they had experienced this new life for themselves. And the same is true today, isn't it? The same is true today. Even in this room, many, many people can testify to experiencing this new resurrection life for themselves. People who are not who they once were. Because of the ongoing love and grace and power of God at work in their lives. Because Jesus is alive, we are alive in him. We've been singing about it this morning. You know, there's so much we could talk about this new life. But in the time we've got before the kids come back, I'm just going to leave us with three things to take home this Easter of what this new life gives us. Firstly, this new life means that we can know peace with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, it's nothing that we've done, it's nothing that we've earned, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, the empty tomb proves the wages of sin, which the Bible describes as death, had been fully paid Fully paid. There is nothing that we we need to or can add to our salvation. When Jesus declared, it is finished on that cross, guess what? It was finished. Complete. The barrier of sin between us and God removed. Gone. Remember that temple curtain that separated man from the very presence of God was ripped from top to bottom. Signifying a new intimate relationship with God was possible through Jesus Christ. No more condemnation. No more guilt. No more shame. No more baggage from the past. Aren't you glad your past no longer determines your future? For those who are in Christ, Jesus determines your future. We're free. We're free. We stand forgiven accepted, at peace. You know what? The the empty tomb proves God's faithfulness to us. That when he promised all those years ago, back in Genesis 3, that a a savior will come, that will finally defeat sin and death, he came good on that promise in Jesus. Jesus as he does in all his promises. We are at peace with God. Do you know this peace with God? Easter is an invitation. Secondly, we can know real security in this life. Jesus is not lying in a tomb. He is seated on the throne of heaven. Hallelujah. He is ruling, he is reigning, he is sovereign. It's already been read out. I think Heather read this out, Philippians 2. Because of Jesus' humble obedience to death, even death on a cross, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. In heaven, on the earth, under the earth, he is sovereign. Jesus himself said to his disciples, all authority has been given to me. All authority. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. We go in the full confidence that Jesus is in charge. He's seated on the throne above every throne. You know, whatever's going on in your life, whatever struggles you are facing, whatever challenges, whatever difficulties, whatever you see in this world at this time, you know, all the tension in North Korea, the friction between USA and Russia, whatever we're seeing going on in Syria and in Egypt and even on our doorstep, we do not need to fear because Jesus is in charge. He is sovereign. His purposes will always be accomplished. You know, if death, even death, could not hold him back, what else can? What else can? The empty tomb gives us masses of confidence and security. Jesus is not in the tomb, he is on the throne. He's on the throne. You know, this this new life that we can experience also means that we can have this real security and comfort even in our own struggles, even in our own challenges, even in our own suffering. Because probably more than anyone else, Jesus knew what it meant to suffer. He knew what it meant to be rejected, He knew what it meant to be beaten. And in pain, physically, emotionally. And because he is alive, he can walk with you through that pain. We look at the empty tomb, we know he is alive and he will walk with me through my own pain and suffering. You know, Jesus was very clear that in this fallen world, we will suffer, we will have trouble. But he says, take heart. Because I have overcome the world. You know, we may not be immune to the struggles of life, but we are not alone. We're not immune, but we're not alone. Jesus, the suffering servant, walks with us. You know, and the empty tomb proves as well that suffering and despair are temporary, are temporary. You know, weeping may last for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. One day, despair and suffering will all be wrapped up. It is not permanent. Whatever we face in this life, we can know a real security in Jesus. Do you know this security in your life? Easter is an invitation to experience that for yourself. Thirdly, we can know a wonderful hope for the future. We have an eternal hope. You know, Jesus is described as the first fruits, or or the blueprints, if you like, of this new resurrection life that we are invited into. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits Of all who have fallen asleep, for since death came through one man, that's Adam, so the resurrection of the dead comes through one man, that is Jesus Christ. Which is why Paul, a few verses further on, says death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We've been singing these very words, haven't we, this morning. Where, O death, is your sting? You know, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Yet for those who put their trust in Jesus, death has lost its sting. Because death simply means the beginning of an eternity in the presence of God. Away from the body, at home with the Lord. There is no fear, there is just joy. Being in the presence of your Savior. You know what? We know where we're heading. We know that gives us so much comfort again. I'm one of those people, if I'm setting out on a journey, I have to Google map the entire journey. I even street walk, you know, all the turnings. I love to know where I'm going. It gives me such a sense of security and peace. I know the destination. You know what? We have that when we give our lives to Jesus. We know where we're heading. We're seated in heavenly places. Heaven is our home. It's our destination. We know that security, that eternal hope in Jesus. It's wonderful. You know, one day too, we're going to have resurrection bodies. Praise God. I've been struggling with a sore back for the last two weeks. It's actually got a little bit better today. But you know what? We're going to have resurrection bodies like Jesus. He was the first fruit. He was the blueprint. But it gets even better. It doesn't even just stop with us. Because there is even more hope for the future. Because one day, Jesus will bring about the resurrection of all things. All things. We flick to the end of the story. Revelation 21 verse 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the former things have passed away. And the one seated on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. One day there will come a time when he comes again, when he will make all things new. Because he is alive, we can know a certain hope for our future. That one day all this chaos and mess that we see all around us will be wiped away. Every tear, every fear, wiped away. You know, Jesus' resurrection started a chain reaction of resurrection life. Many of us in this room have encountered that. This chain reaction that's going to go on and on and on and impact all things. All things. Resurrection power. Resurrection hope. Do you know this hope in your life? Jesus said that I came that you might have life and have it in abundance. And through his death and his resurrection, he made the way for us to experience this new life for ourselves. So if you're a Christian this morning, let this Easter Be a wonderful reminder of the peace that you can enjoy between yourself and God. That there is nothing more that you need to add to your salvation. He's done it all. Just be reminded of his incredible love. God so loved the world. He sent his one and only son. Be reminded of that wonderful security, that eternal hope that we have in him. Celebrate it. Worship Jesus because of it. And if you're not a Christian this morning, or maybe you just, you've kind of just drifted a little bit. As I said, Easter is an invitation. Firstly, please don't dismiss the Easter story as just that, a nice story. But really explore, look at the evidence of transformed lives, both historically, but also all around you. Look at the evidence of transformed lives. Because ultimately, Easter is an invitation for you to personally experience this resurrection life for yourself. This promise of new life is for you. It's for you. I'm just going to finish by reading the lyrics of a song I heard uh, last week. I mentioned this to Emily and she looked horrified and she said, Dad, you're not going to sing it, are you? I said, you'll be all right. You're going to be looking at eggs. She was like, phew, but I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm going to read it out. I just think it really sums up what we've been talking about. It's a new song by Lou Fellingham. Maybe we'll sing it in church in a few weeks' time, but um, these are the words anyway. We are standing on the promise of the future. We have tasted of a life that's yet to come. We have seen a glimpse of heaven in the darkness, and our hope is in the resurrected Son. God is with us. We no longer fear tomorrow. Christ is in us. Now we know where we belong. We have freedom that is only found in Jesus. Living in his victory we now overcome. He is alive. Jesus is alive. This changes everything. Everything. Now I'm alive. In you, I have life. This changes everything. Everything for us. The resurrection of Jesus, as Nicky Gumbel said this week, is rooted in history, it's grounded in Scripture, but it's confirmed in experience. Will you experience this new life this Easter? We're going to respond by taking communion together. If the band would like to come back onto the stage, if you're able, feel free to stand. As we worship, as we uh, use this song to respond Please feel free to come up to the front. We've got the bread and the wine on either side of the stage. Feel free to come up in your own time. Take the bread and the wine. The bread to remind us of the body that Jesus gave to be broken for us so that we might be made whole. And the the juice or the wine to signify the blood that Jesus shed that washes away all our sin, past, present, and future. Let's all stand as we worship God, and I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you are indeed alive, and that you are with us by your Holy Spirit, Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you that you held nothing back for us. And Jesus, thank you that on the cross, you truly defeated sin and death and made a way for us to experience that wonderful relationship with God. Lord, words don't seem enough, but thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the new resurrection life that you have given to us. This new hope, this peace, wonderful security that we can enjoy in you. Thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you for your blood that was shed. We truly can stand together and say, We are forgiven at the cross. Amen. Amen.